Escúchela, la ciudad respirando. Escúchela, la ciudad respirando. Escúchela, la ciudad respirando. Escúchela. The new moon rode high in the crown of the metropolis, shining like who on top of this? People was tussling, arguing and bustling, gangsters of God thumb, hardcore hustling. I'm wrestling with words and ideas, my ears is prick, seeking what will transmit, describes can apply to transcript. You putts, dude, you putts. Kevin Barra, Reed Foster, Taylor Wilson, we're all hanging out here with you. Uh, it's May, so there's still a little bit of time before we get into like real pre-draft talk. In theory, folks, we're going in person. Reed is looking at the, uh, I think it's between Bowery Ballroom and a couple other venues right now uh, in Manhattan for the live draft. Is that correct, Reed? Radio City Music Hall may be an option. There's also uh, my next door neighbor has a... She has a vintage shop that occasionally hosts small concerts that we could use as well. What a delight. You pick up a, you know, late seventies crew neck and throw a couple of rookies in your draft roster as well. At the same time, that's, that's good. That would be fun. Um, Barry, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. You know, just, uh, done with the NFL draft. Got my Saints showing a Saints mug. Yep. Yep. Sure. Nice, sure. nice lettering right there. But you know, what are you, what are you drinking? Diarrhea out of that? Am I right, Reed? Yeah, I mean it's, it's empty, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd say uh, he's drinking the tears from the last few years of disappointment. <laughs> Over <laughs> under seven and a half wins. Uh, uh, Barra is calling it a twelve win Saint season, folks. So get ready for that. I'm sure we're all yeah. excited. It seems like the whole league is kind of mid on the Saints, except for Saints fans. So that's you know, par for the course. So the draft is in the books. We're going to get to the fantasy aspects really quick. I just want to hear really quickly. We won't annoy the listeners. That is our league too much with this. Your respective grades for your teams after your drafts. We're going to start with the Panthers. Reed, how did you feel? Uh, you got to give them a B minus. I think that if you just took it by all the picks, you would give them an A because each of the picks that they had and each in their respective spot was fantastic. Um, but I think that you have to seriously ding them because the process of acquiring Matt Corral was just awful because the way you look at it, they traded next year's third round pick to move up from 137 to 94. Now, how, I mean, you look at what the Panthers have been in the last few years, that pick, historically speaking, you're looking at this number 70 overall pick. So you could be trading number 70 and number 137 for number 94. That I mean, that just is a bad fucking plan. We saw what happened when you entered the draft this year without any day two picks. It really fucking holds you back. Next year, you're going to want those day two picks. I mean, let's say, let's say they're bad, which Sam Darnold's still the quarterback, so they probably will be bad. Let's say they're bad next year and they want to move up, but they're not bad enough to be number one overall. You're going to need those extra picks to move up to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson or whoever the fuck the quarterback is. And so to give up a future pick for that is just it's a bad process. So you have to ding them for that. So if that process was bad, I, I think the Saints trading process might have been <laughs> even worse. Uh, certainly scrutinized around the league. I, I said it immediately like, man, that is a lot to give up. 
when you probably could have still gotten, I don't know how you're tiering the receivers, but potentially a similar tier receiver without doing anything uh, to get a lave and the rest of the draft. Uh, Barra, you were absolutely thrilled as you are with all things saints. You're a very reasonable saints fan. It's the thing I like about you. What were your thoughts on this draft? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it a B um, only because there was a lot of draft capital from the, you know, initial trade with the Eagles to get that extra first rounder and, and giving away some picks next year. Um, and then also the uh, the picks that were exchanged to move up to 11. Like everyone, I'm sure you guys have heard, there was a, you know, a run on receivers that a lot of people were seeing. And that was their guy, you know. Um, you know, I'm a USC fan. So, you know, Drake London was obviously the receiver I would have loved to have. But, you know, the Saints have done fantastic with Ohio State products these last couple of years with Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Von Bell, the list goes on. And so, you know, Chris Olave is a guy who is close with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is coming back. Um, you know, the Saints were a 9-8 and eight team last year with Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, and, you know, they really didn't have much productivity at the quarterback. Their number one receiver was an undrafted guy, Marquez Callaway. To get Michael Thomas back, to get Olave in the draft, it, it's a huge get. Um, the price was expensive, but that was their guy. You know, you set your targets on someone and you got to get them. Uh, then getting Penning in the first round, the guy who's got all the physical tools to succeed. Um, definitely a walking, holding call at this point. Um, but, you know, that that can be coached. And I, I think the talent they got in the first round was, was A-plus talent. Um, and then, you know, second round, they get Elante Taylor. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, corner safety really could have an impact. Um, you know, Saints also like their Tennessee guys. They like Tennessee. They like Ohio State. They don't like USC. They don't like LSU. Um, so, you know, it was nice to get a couple guys in the late rounds that, you know, you, you hope to get. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a successful draft. Anyone knows that knows me, I was begging for a receiver, begging any of those top four guys, Williams, Olave. Uh, Wilson or, or Drake London, I would have been cool with. So it was it was a good turnout for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my boys a B plus. Um, the thing with the Falcons coming into this draft, I mean, I not said it a. beforehand. Not not an A only because I I do think. Look, I, let, let's get this out of the way. So number eight was not a, a number that I really ever love uh, in drafts, particularly this year. It was always going to be a little bit awkward. The good news there when kind of assessing Terry and the entire draft is I think the Falcons would have had to be even kind of over the moon moron levels to really mess this up um, in the sense that it was wide open. There are so many needs on this Falcons roster that <clears throat> at least positionally, you kind of couldn't go wrong. Um, now, going a similar strategy two years in a row to the Pitts thing certainly raised some eyebrows. Um, but it should be said, one of the people here on this, on this pod, Kevin Barra, uh, is a massive USC fan, a massive Drake London fan, and has said that he will buy a Drake London jersey, no matter who he goes to. That was a pre-draft. So I don't know if that's true. I, I believe it was. I, I would have gotten his jersey. I have a couple of caveats. I have a couple of witnesses, I should say, that can back me up on that. So again, uh, atlantafalcons.com backslash shop will get you what you need there. Um, so that was very exciting when the Falcons got Drake London. Um, you know, I thought going in eight was going to be a bit of a reach for a receiver, but the fact that they address some of the defensive needs in round two, in round three, 
um, made it a lot more palatable for me. And I think they actually got some great value, uh, particularly, at, you know, numbers 38 through 82. I thought they did fantastic. Do you need three defensive players there instead of maybe trying someone at offensive line? You can ask questions there uh, in a vacuum, but I like the players themselves. Um, I think Terry did pretty well, at least on paper. You know, getting pass rushers has been a real issue for the Falcons for over a generation. The entire Thomas Dimitrov era was miss, miss, miss. There were some awful pieces of injury luck over those, but some of them were just bad misses as well. So I was always a little bit worried about the Falcons going first round at edge rusher. Um, and in fact, they ultimately didn't. Um, if Thibodeau had fallen, you know, do they end up going Thibodeau? That's a question you can ask, but ultimately he didn't. So Drake London, some speed concerns, but Twin Towers, baby. Barra hates that nickname, but here we go. Kyle Pitts and, uh, and Drake London, uh, a couple of interesting. I mean, we'll get into the fantasy aspects here in a second, but interesting, uh, interesting rookie fantasy elements for Drake London, for sure. I just want to say that 9-11 was really bad. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, like they're tall, but like, what have they done? Like Ralph Sampson. Tall, and, but uh, what have they done? It's interesting. As a Pitts fantasy owner, the chirps are coming. Okay. Sampson, Hakeem Olajuwon, the original. Well, I thought you said Drake London was good. He's, oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> but Kyle Pitts was not good. You, you're yeah, stuck in a complete like, corner now. You can't sure Pitts or London. So I don't. I, you're, Pitts you're just really had like the second best tight end season for a rookie ever. 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 Wow, I'm sure Taylor was so happy with that season. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, uh, just real quick, the Drake London thing. There was a lot of jerseys I would have gotten him on, but Falcons. That's just not doable. It's an ugly jersey. Like Panthers jerseys are at least nice. I'll give them that. Um, but and we yeah, got some sexy I mean, helmets coming this year. I was really hoping, though, that the Falcons at eight would take Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. Would have been really cool. Would have maybe copped a, a Jets, a Jets, um, Drake London jersey, but certainly not a Falcons. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the popular Falcons fan want was to trade back and get him, essentially. And actually, really, with hindsight, I'm pretty happy with the Drake London thing. So it, based on what they did defensively in the later round. So all of us uh, pretty pleased, I guess. Uh, Reed may be the least pleased uh, with the with the drafts. I would say the Saints personally had the worst of the three uh, in terms of the draft. But of course, oh, I'd expect you to say that. Oh, right, yeah. Of course. Uh, we'll keep it moving, though, into the fantasy implications get into the draft's impact on the rookies themselves going into fantasy this season. Um, you know, I mentioned Drake London goes off the board and then a bunch of receivers kind of went flying pretty immediately after we talked about that Lave trade a little bit with the Saints. But let's look at this in terms of the league as a whole, not just receivers, of course, quarterbacks as well going in the later rounds. Um, you know, just in general, how do you guys weigh situation versus actual just kind of raw talent, pure talent for rookies uh, in the auction and the draft going forward? I think situation has to be the top thing you look at more than anything, just because like 
I mean, if you're in a crowded receiver room, it just doesn't matter. Cause like, like Garrett Wilson, I just, I think he might be like seventh most enticing rookie wide receiver to me just because like he's going to a Jets receiving core that has a lot of options now. Like I don't, I don't see a way for him to stand out in the same way that like Drake London's going to come in and it's like, I mean, no offense to your boy, but like, okay, the other top wide receiver is Olamide Zacchaeus. There's a much easier path to targets there. Yeah, I, mean, I, totally I agree with, say- with just really quick with Drake London. Like, there are getting getting a pure, regardless of talent. And Barra loves him, talent as loves what he did in college. It's cut into those targets. How much does Patterson cut into those targets? Those are fair questions to ask. But in terms of the true receivers on that roster, you can go ahead and circle Drake London as a guy who will get targets. Will, will those translate to catches? Will it translate to production? We don't know. But the targets, it's May, what is it, 6th. You can lock that in right now. He could be Kelvin Benjamin 2014. Barrett, go ahead. It's got to be, you know, 65% situation, 35% talent. Um, you know, when, when you look at the, the rookie receivers, that's what we're talking about exclusively, right? Yeah, I mean, just no. but I mean, other stuff too, I guess. Just, okay. just rookies. Well, I mean, make it broad for looking, all the rookies. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at rookie receivers, Drake London's gonna probably go off the board first out of all the rookie receivers, I would think. Um, he's got targets. I mean, he's, he's got talent. He's going to be a red zone threat. But when I look at a receiver that's in the best position. It's not bias. It, it's just facts. It's Chris Olave, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, with Michael Thomas being his mentor, with Michael Thomas being, you know, right across the field from him, Chris Olave is going to burn guys. Michael Thomas is going to run slants. And, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Olave is going to get a lot of a lot of fantasy points for a lucky fantasy owner, which is probably going to be me. Um, But, you know, you look at obviously other situations where. Um, you know, I don't see many running backs making a huge impact uh, as rookies. Uh, I think their backfields are are kind of crowded with Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall splitting carries at best. Um, and then, you know, quarterbacks, Malik Willis, I'd love to see him beat out Tannehill. I know Tannehill, a lot of people are against him now because of looks kind of like a like a douche uh, saying that he won't mentor, even though they work for the same company. Uh, you know, it's unheard of in the corporate world. I'll tell you that. And, <laughs> Mr. and then, Corporate, uh, Kevin Barra. yeah. And then, you know, Kenny Pickett, um, if he wins the job, I think he could do a fantastic job. So there's definitely some rookie value to be had in fantasy. Um, it's, but I think it's, you know, mostly going to be a receiver, uh, as it usually is, but this year more so than others. All right. So Reed made a face like he just swallowed a rod and olive or something when Barra said, uh, Olave's situation was, was among the best. Uh, Reed, do you want to comment on that? Well, he just said it was like obviously the best. And I just, I just figure like in an offense that last year didn't pass it a whole lot, where if my, if you think Michael Thomas is back and healthy and is good, Michael Thomas is the clear number one. So, I mean, he's going to step in and be the number two. I think that's a very good situation, but the best, I mean, I mean, Christian Watson is, I mean, look at the Packers wide receivers right now. He's competing with like Sammy Watkins and uh, Randall Cobb for targets. I mean, that's he's by far the number one wide receiver right now. So I feel like that's a better situation. Um, I think you can make an argument that Jalen Tolbert, the third-round wide receiver out of South Alabama that went to Dallas 
he's going to step in. And Michael Gallup, who's maybe not going to be ready to start the season, Tolbert might be the de facto number two wide receiver to start the season for the Dallas Cowboys, one of the top offenses in the entire NFL. I mean, I think that's a fantastic situation. Sky Moore going into the Chiefs where they have Juju, they have MVS, sure. But, you know, I think Sky Moore could step in and be better than both those guys. I mean, hell, you know, you know, Sky Moore reminds me of. I was watching a little some some of his highlights yesterday. And then you look at his athletic profile, you know who there are a lot of similarities with Stefan Diggs. Is that, is oh, that so? So you're telling me that I, I put a young Stefan Diggs on a team where he has to compete for targets against Juju and MVS and Patrick Mahomes is throwing to him. That sounds like a pretty sexy situation to me. It sounds pretty fucking pretty sexy. sexy. I mean, I, I think personally that, uh, that Drake London from a, from a team standpoint, he's in the worst position. I mean, Marcus Mariota's throwing him the ball. No one else has really taken much heat off him. Uh, but in terms of targets, yeah, in terms of end zone, sure, for that. fantasy. For fantasy impact, he's got a decent fantasy impact. For overall, like, it, it's not easy. Like, Mariota, I like Mariota. He's one of the few Oregon players I've ever liked. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know how valid of a, of a, as a passer he's going to be to that offense. So if it was Matt Ryan, I, I'd believe a little differently. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's someone else, but I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, we can we can get into a, a deeper Falcons combo with the Matt Ryan. So I, I just, I, really quick, it, it seems like there's this revisionist history about Matt Ryan's season last year. I mean, I, I watched every game. He had three or four good ones. He had some of the, you know, you look at like the, the stable starting quarterbacks in this league, the 10 worst games from them last season. Matt Ryan maybe had six or seven of them. He had some horrific games last year. So I, whenever you're trying to compare the pits to London stuff, I just want to factor that in. Look, Mariota's worse than Matt Ryan. Is Desmond Ritter at this point? Who knows, right? Like we, I don't, I wouldn't put too much stock on the drop off from Matt Ryan. If it's not Mariota, Mariota's all about tanking um, really quick. I agree. I'm in the kind of situation over vacuum talent. Uh, when I'm looking at this from a fantasy perspective, but uh, there are a couple of potential exceptions to this, which leads into this next prompt, which is, do we think there's a Jamar Chase this year? Do we think there's a Justin Jefferson? Is there a guy on the board that you guys are circling right now as a possibility? I have a couple of names that I'm thinking about. Uh, I'll let you all go first. Uh, I mean, I just told you sky Moore. Okay. I think that I think that that could be the guy. I mean, I, uh, I mean, he's got the biggest. He's small, but he's got the biggest hands in the class. He's the anti Kenny Pickett. I mean, these big fucking hands. You're not gonna take it out of his hands. Big fucking hands. Yeah, I mean, I, these claws ain't just for attracted mates. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think the answer is Chris Olave on that one. Just in terms of a Justin really? Jefferson, he he. I mean, his rookie year, Justin Jefferson, who was he, you know, lining up, who was taking the heat off him? It was Adam Thielen. That Michael Thomas effect, you know, it really could be there. Uh, one's more of a burner. The other's more of a possession receiver. Uh, it's similar in my, you know, understanding of the Vikings offense. That's, you know, what he walked into. And yeah, I think Chris Olave is Justin Jefferson, and I'm going to get him in like the seventh round. Or, or sorry, not the seventh round. I'm going to get him for like six bucks, maybe. I, Why not I, Christian I, Watson? I mean, Christian Watson's a great one too. It's like, I mean, he's obviously got the best quarterback throwing him the ball. Uh, oh, 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 sorry, I shouldn't be saying that in terms of the sky more, but uh, 
in terms of other rookie receivers. Well, I mean, Rodgers is the MVP. I mean, Rodgers yeah, is I mean, Rogers he's won the MVP the last two years. So I mean, he's and, and, right now Rodgers has to have the claim as the best quarterback. Yeah, I guess the playoff the performance. Devante, that was sick. I'm I'm honestly, I mean, hate to go off topic. I mean, yeah, I obviously it's just gonna be interesting to see who who has the next stack. Is it gonna be Kevin again with the best stack three years in a row? QB receiver. I don't know. That's that's <laughs> later. But uh, listen, Watson's a great player. Um, he's got a great situation. Um, but we'll see. There's lots of factors that could that could you know derail him if he if he is NFL ready and he steps right in. Then yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I believe in him though. Another guy that we definitely want to get into is Jamison Williams, who you know the ceiling is there, the speed stuff is there. The problem is he ain't starting week one. Uh, we don't know exactly when he'll be ready to go. October has been what everyone's kind of circling uh, in terms of the projections there. Um, he's going to get drafted. People are looking at him. I'm considering, you know, all my Devonta Smith stuff. Um, all right. Sorry. Not my Devonta Smith stuff. We'll get to that, that question a little bit, but Jameson Williams, um, what do we think? You know, not ready for the first two months of the season. When does he go? How are people in this league going to value him uh, in terms of, you know, cause this is a league like, we look at this, obviously this is true for fantasy football across the board, but last year in particular, it was the season of, of you know, dudes just sitting players on their roster for at times months at a time. You know, you think to the Calvin Ridley situation, it was a lot of this, hey man, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope. And then you get three or four months into the season and you've had this guy burning a hole on your either your IR spots or your bench for half the year. Um, I wonder if people in this league are going to be considering you know, moving away from that this time around, but obviously someone drafts him. So where does Jamison go? I mean, the thing with Jamison is that he's got like, you got to factor in the keeper value with him. Is that like, because like, all right, Jared Goff this year, maybe that's not too inspiring, but like, I mean, the Lions, maybe we get a reunion of Bryce Young and Jamison Williams next year in the Lions. You have that. It's very appealing. And in a league where you have the reward for the 40 plus yard bombs, I mean, Jamison is well designed to be the number one receiver in our league some years. And he certainly is the kind of guy who could have those Tyreek Hill type weeks where it's like, wow, Jamison has got me 60 points. I won the matchup just because of him. Everyone else didn't show up, but it didn't matter. I mean, that's, that's so valuable. And because like, because of the way the keeper rules are where you have to hold on to them, it's a guarantee that, that this dude's going to get drafted. And I think he's going to get drafted probably a little more expensive than maybe you would think going into it. I think that there's a chance that Jamison Williams gets paid, gets drafted for more than someone like a Christian Watson, or maybe someone more like a Jahan Dotson who got drafted pretty high. Like people are excited about his potential. Yeah. In terms of, uh, in terms of the lines being bad to get one of those top quarterbacks, I don't see it personally. I mean, I like Dan Campbell and I, I think the lines are, are going to be, you know, above expectations for what people like you yourself might be thinking for them. Uh, Jameson Williams, though, yeah, he might get paid a little bit in this league, probably by. Well, Jameson Williams did go to Ohio State for a little bit. I was going to say Eric is going to pay. It's a fact like he is going to pay the most for Garrett Wilson and for Chris Olave. That Olave, yeah. you will not be getting either one of those. I'll, fi- I'll find out where he lives. Um, but the point is. I think Jamison Williams, yeah, he will sit for a little bit. His value is obviously extremely high. But, I, I mean, it really depends the team that he, he's going to, right? It, like, the keeper situation is going to factor into everything. 
Like I've got Cooper cup. I believe that he's going to put up a lot of points. Like, can I, you know, if I draft the way I, I hope to, can I, you know, bank on that other people with less, you know, high upside keepers, uh, like, you know, maybe you do have to invest a little more in him, but maybe you can't wait. It, it's a real big seesaw with him just because the fit on the fantasy league, it, it's just, it, it's really, it's really important. And so I think he's as talented as, as anyone. Obviously he would have been the first receiver drafted. He would have been a Atlanta Falcon, if not, uh, you know, a, a team earlier, if it wasn't for the ACL, but um, you know, I like the Lions offense. I really do. I, I think him and Amon Ross St. Brown, another USC plug, um, you know, one of the better duos and they're going to be wreaking havoc on hey, DJ Chark. I mean, he, he had an off season. Didn't Hawkinson. He? Hawkinson's good. Oh yeah. But Hawkinson's not that much better than any other, you know, he's an average tight end, slightly above average, um, uh, in my opinion, but he's in that second I don't know. tier. I think he's in that second tier. For but his la- last season was not very good compared to what he was two years ago when I had him. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I just think that Jameson Williams, Jared Goff's a solid quarterback, and and I think they could uh, you know definitely do some damage on the uh, NFC North for the next couple of uh, decades. <laughs> five years. All right, let's years. let's shift this to the quarterbacks. We'll stick on the rookie talk for now. Um, our esteemed commissioner has set the over under at three and a half for how many rookie QBs we quote unquote see this year, which is a complicated way to, to, to look at it. Cause what does that mean? You know, two, two snaps is different than winning the starting job, but three and a half is the number. I'm assuming you're talking about like actually getting the job read. Um, or at least like starting, let's say starting at least two games, starting at least two games. So over under three and a half, what are you going on your own total there? Reed under or over? Uh, I'm definitely going to go over. Over. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Kenny Pickett, it seems pretty obvious that he's going to start relatively soon. Um, I think that I, I think Desmond Ritter is going to start out of camp. I think he's going to beat Marcus Mariota in fall. Uh, oh, I mean, my, Ritter, my, my nightmare purgatory season is, is coming true. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I think because Ritter is the most pro ready quarterback, and like, I mean, you if you look at it, he made the pro comparison of himself, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, two guys who will have been in that offense and have succeeded in that offense. I mean, he's an older guy. He comes in like he did all the pro stuff at Cincinnati. Like, I think this is going to be a Russell Wilson type situation. And I mean, I don't, I don't think Ritter's going to be that good, but I think he's definitely going to start out of there. And we'll get to it later, but I think he's got some serious fantasy value because he has some legs. Um, I think it is. Uh, I think Matt Corral is a lock to play at least two games, so that's that's three. And then I think between Sam Howell and Malik Willis, one of those guys is going to start multiple games either in Washington or in Tennessee. Um, I mean, the you can tell the Titans are kind of fed up with Tannehill, they were pretty pissed off after that playoff loss last year. And I, I mean, I think the, the idea, like, I think they're going to have some short yardage plays where it's like Malik is in the backfield with Derrick Henry and they're going to get like 80 yards on two of those plays. And they're, everyone's going to be like, man, imagine if we had Malik the whole time, which is not unlike the first year of Lamar Jackson, where Joe Flacco was the starting quarterback. They played the Panthers and Lamar got like 15 snaps 
And every time Lamar was in, it was like, well, if he completes this pass, they're going to score a touchdown and there's absolutely nothing we can do to stop it. Whereas with Flacco, when it was like, we got three turnovers and scored on one of them. You know, I, I could see it being very similar. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Pickett's obviously got the, uh, you know, most likely route to, uh, to starting his competitions. Not, not too crazy, even though Trubisky, you know, people were, a little high on him when he went to Pittsburgh and, and what he could potentially do with those receivers and Najee Harris. Uh, not a great line there, obviously. Um, but, you know, Willis, I think his storyline's got to see the most controversial right now. I mean, making a lot of headlines with the Tannehill, just friction. It, it seems like that's a, a you know, high friction potential ser- uh, situation where, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a storyline that people are going to be looking at all year now. Uh, Ritter, yeah, Mariota is not nothing crazy, but, you know, is Ritter ready? I don't know. Corral, you know, it's so tough. Sam Darnold's a guy that I, I believed in for a long time. And, and this is his last chance, really. I mean, not to play in the NFL, but, I mean, if he, with now a new tackle, he, he's got protection, he's got some receivers, he's got Christian McCaffrey. If he can't make it happen here right now, then, yeah, they're going to give it to Corral. So there's a chance. And, I mean, Sam Howell, you know, you look at the the two early 2022 mock drafts, and and Sam Howell's a guy that they were looking at in the top five, right? And, I mean, he's got all the talent in terms of just, you know, the dual ability. He makes a lot of the throws. And, you know, Carson Wentz has been injured uh, before, and he has struggled. So, um, you know, I, I could see it being five, but I could also see it, it being one and just pick it. But, you know, the NFL's got a lot of injuries. It's not it's not baseball. It's not uh, swimming. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it could easily be over three and a half. So we'll see. It's not swimming. I'm, I'm going to hit it right at three on the dot. So I'll go slight under. I think Pickett starts out of camp. Um, I, honestly, I think Pickett is the only one I, I'm that confident saying does start out of camp. I could absolutely see the Ritter thing. Um I just I continue to think Ritter is going to be just good enough to to screw over the Falcons for the next decade um, is kind of where I'm at on this, which is a much more negative take than probably many Falcons fans have after this draft. But I uh, I'm really, really invested in trying to get into the top five for 2023. Now, look, if Ritter shows it and you mentioned dual threat with the legs like that's my main concern is. The Falcons, while I did like their draft, they only addressed the offensive line once, and it was with their penultimate pick. I think that line is still going to be a disaster. Um, they're locked into a guy like Jake Matthews giving way too much money. Like, there's just the balance of the line is not there at all. And they've gone out and gotten a guard from Georgia, who I think at 190 or whatever was a nice value pick, but it's not going to fix the line. So that would be my concern at anything quarterback related for the Falcons. Now, does Ritter have enough with the legs to where that? doesn't matter as much maybe um and we'll see what happens i don't think he wins out of wins the job out of camp though based on everything i'm hearing uh that doesn't seem to be where the falcons are leaning at the moment but that's what training camp is for maybe things change when that comes around um i think malik everything you said about malik i agree with i think he'll come in and out of different packages i'm just not sure the criteria you have of him starting two games i'm not sure you know they owe Tannehill 30 something million dollars this year. They might just keep riding him this year and really plan on Malik for 2023 um, while giving him some, you know, some looks throughout the season. So I don't think he fits the criteria for this to hit the over corral. I would trust your input as much as anyone read on this one. Um, But I do think that's another case of him winning the job 
during the season. Um, so, you know, whether or not that hits the over or not, we will see. I think ultimately he does get the two starts. So that gives me three. Sam Howell, the guys in front of him aren't very good, but, you know, Heineken got enough action last year where it almost leads me to believe he has to leap two guys, um, which would worry me a little bit as far as the criteria for this over-under. And in terms of having him take a spot on your fantasy roster for this season. We saw, you know, no one has wanted Washington quarterbacks in this league. It's been the kind of, ah, I don't have a QB two, you know, can I trade for a Washington QB? Can I call up Gibby? Can we figure something out? That's been this league over the past year. I don't think that changes this season in terms of what people are looking at uh, from a fantasy perspective. So give me Pickett, Desmond and Corral to hit that criteria. Malik, I could absolutely see it. Um, but I think it's going to be more like how eh, we see him this quarter and then Tannehill's playing the rest of the time. Or we see him this series and Tannehill's the rest of the time. Um, so somewhere around there, I think three and a half is a reasonable number, but uh, that's where we're at. I think from, from a fantasy perspective, the keeper implications of this league continue to make it more and more interesting, right? Because you got to think about this thing for multiple years. Right. And I do think that, um, and we'll get to it a little bit later on, but I do think that like the quarterback thing, the quarterback market, as we get deeper into the keeper stuff, could get a little interesting because, you know, we're going to have a lot of, we're going to have some teams that enter the draft with one or even both quarterbacks covered and some teams that have no quarterbacks going into it. And so because of that, I think that we could see an early run and maybe see some of the prices be a little artificially inflated just because of the desperation uh, of some of the teams to get these quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely in play. Um, I, in general, I mean, we're going to talk about the, 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 the rookie draft aspect of this here shortly, but it'll be very interesting in year two of the auction draft era, how people value um, youth, how they value rookies compared to past years. Cause I'll admit, and I think bear has admitted the same thing. We were very, very bad on the rookie assessments for the drafting last season. And you saw some of the breakouts, you know, obviously what happened with Jamar chase, but that's an extreme example. Um, I personally am trying to keep a lot of these guys closer to the forefront. The issue is they tend to be receivers. Um, but once one of these rookie quarterbacks goes, you know, does it create a wave where, where four of them go very quickly, or is it a thing where only one person is valuing them and everyone else is pretty content to leave them late? Yeah, I mean, the the sad thing for you is that you did identify the hot young receiver two years ago, and then you cut him. There are many sad things of my uh, of my tenure in this league, Mr. Foster. I mean, I thankfully, still... at least it wasn't a Je- – at least you didn't drop Mr. Jefferson in a year when he could have been a keeper because yes, then that would have yeah. been like – You dropped Justin crippling. Jefferson? I uh, I don't remember the the exact week that it was after, but it was it after was, week two. Yeah, it was too early. It was too early for that guy. Who's got Who's got Devontae Smith? Is that you? Or is that right here, present? Yeah, one of the biggest fleeces. That, that's something people I think need to you know have faith in, especially Melfi, an Eagles fan. That was disgraceful. To uh, he just didn't understand the concept. I don't think you know what she that that's a common theme with him. Um, but yeah, just to, to get rid of a rookie receiver for too low, it's just, it's tough. I mean, I look back at the draft and I see, um, Jack getting Jamar chase for, I think five bucks. And it's like, you know, you're going to beat yourself up over those guys you missed on. And, you know, obviously you have the ability to get any single player you want, uh, with, with the auction. So, uh, you know, got to spend that, got to spend those fun bucks uh, the right way. 
it does feel like we're going to have five or six receiver rookie receivers that like, I almost wonder if the shift is going to go the other direction a little bit too far where we're going to have five or six guys go for 25. I don't, you know, somewhere in the twenties, uh, depending yeah. on, on who, on who puts them up for, uh, who nominates them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the irony is that like, um, the most productive rookie wide receiver, like outside of Jamar, like second half of last year, might have been Amon Ross State Brown that Daniel picked up off waivers for like two bucks. But then he was getting like 12 targets a game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Anything else we want to touch on in terms of the rookies? This is, uh, of course, an emergency post draft pod. A lot will change between now and our draft anything else we want to touch on the rookies then we'll get to the veterans and some of the trades no i think i'm good all right let's keep it rolling then uh obviously a huge move sending aj brown to philly you know there are new stonk adjustments we have to make on jalen hurts and ryan Tannehill, uh and of course you just mentioned devonta smith barra uh i have some real considerations to make surrounding him as well uh, what are our thoughts on on AJ Brown now going to the fighting young Melfies? It's huge. I mean, it's one of the best receivers in football. Put him with Devontae Smith. Put him with uh, whoever the the third guy they have is. And you know, you're, you're yeah. Reed, do you want to you want to say who it is? Uh, well, there's Jalen Rager, the uh, first round yeah. guy they took a couple years back, but then they also have Greg Ward. Uh, Dallas Goddard at tight end. Goddard. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to give Jalen Hurts a chance to, uh, you know, some, like not as the same boat as Sam Darnold, but, you know, they're giving him a real team to, uh, you know, to make moves with because they obviously, you know, are all in. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think A.J. Brown's got to be easily one of the best tight end, uh, best wide receivers in fantasy this year. Um, you know, you get him out of that situation with Tannehill, whose QBR was just sinking uh, more and more each week. And, uh, you know, you, you get Jalen Hurts, who's now, you know, three years into his NFL career. I think it gives him a real chance to, uh, you know, be one of the uh, the biggest producers this year. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that uh, I don't think it really moves A.J. Brown that much. Like, I like Devontae Smith, but um, I think this is going to be kind of a similar situation to Tennessee a couple years back when it was – AJ Brown and Corey Davis, like Corey Davis put up good numbers and he had some good games and he was a viable fantasy receiver, but AJ Brown was the guy and AJ Brown is going to continue to be the guy because there are not a, that many wide receivers in the league as good as him. Um, and I think at this point, I think Ryan Tannehill, I, I, I like Traylon Burks quite a bit. I, I was higher on him than a lot of other people. I, I would have had him like above, certainly above Jahan Dotson, maybe even above like Garrett Wilson and like Olave or whatever. I'm a big fan of his, but you know, AJ Brown is just so much better. Like I think Tannehill right now, his stock just dropped tremendously after this between AJ Brown losing him and then Malik getting drafted. I think Tannehill people are going to be really staying away from him and hurts. I mean, he's $12 and Daniel has him as a keeper. I think hurts at $12 will be the single best quarterback value in the league next year. And I think it'll be difficult for anyone to come even close to that. Yeah. So I look at this immediately selfishly from a Devonte Smith perspective, and I honestly don't think it changes a ton for him only in the sense, maybe it changes the ceiling a little bit 
but this was a boomer bus guy last year. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a deep ball threat again. I think he'll be hit on, you know, crazy highlight real plays. And then he's going to have weeks where he doesn't have enough targets and it's just not there. And so it's going to be frustrating. Um, that affects his value that affects his roster ability or start ability, but this doesn't really change from what he was last season. He had three or four great games. Um, he had a lot of stinkers. It was very boomer bust. This will just move more in that direction. So, you know, that's basically how I assess this. I think he's kind of the same player. Um, I fully agree with the Tannehill side of this. I think Jalen Hurts is more or less the same value as well. I mean, the, the value with the leg stuff is still there. Um, and that's ultimately why you're circling him as a fantasy player anyway, I would say. So uh, I don't think the quarterback uh, side of things in Philly changes all that much. I don't think Devontae changes that much. And, you know, in terms of AJ Brown as a fantasy option, um, I, you know, this was a guy with a rough first half and a good second half last season. I think ultimately he'll still be probably that guy he was in the second half in this offense. So um, it doesn't change much from the late season for AJ Brown either, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think Tannehill, the drop off for Tannehill might be the biggest effect of this beyond anything. So you don't think that like, AJ Brown, like being able to catch, like take like a, a short little dig route and then take it 70 yards for a touchdown. Like you don't think that shifts. Cause like Hertz wasn't getting a whole lot of 40 yard bomb touchdowns last year. So if you can add that to his rushing, I mean, that sounds like the top fantasy quarterback to me, but you know, he was still trying them with Devonte, and I think he'll still try them with him as well. Like often right. you, he, he missed him on a lot of those. So yeah, maybe if you think he hits AJ, I can see that logic. Or he doesn't um, have to. He doesn't have to be as accurate. Or he doesn't even AJ, have to get it to him. Yeah, yeah AJ yeah. will just go up and get it. Yeah, I could see that. Um, another move: Hollywood Brown heading out to the desert in Arizona. Um, you know, this is a guy in terms of fantasy. Two years ago, pretty frustrating, and then great last year. My first, I'll just get my take out of the way on this. I think the targets are going way down for Hollywood, and if you look at what the targets mean for him based on twenty twenty versus 2021, that would be concerning. You know, the target numbers going up into the double digits per game, often, in the, especially in the second half of the season last year, he only hit 10 targets once in 2020. Feels like a similar type of season this time around, even in that Arizona offense um, where, you know, they spread it out a lot. Am I off base or what do you guys think about this? Even though, but, but DeAndre Hopkins is gone the first six weeks. So first, so first six buddy. weeks move. Yeah, and Hollywood Brown and Kyler are like best friends. Besties. Yeah, because they played together at Oklahoma. So like I think the target I think like the targets are gonna be there, especially the first six weeks. I think he'll he'll he might be the top scoring wide receiver in fantasy the first six weeks of next season. Wow. Just because I mean, like, who else are they gonna throw to? They lost Christian Kirk. Rondale Moore is like a little gadget receiver. I mean, AJ Brown is ancient. Um so, okay, they got... Isn't it just kind of what they do, though? Like, it's just kind of what they do. Like, I don't... I agree. Maybe the first six weeks. I don't know. I don't know. I 2020, I say part of this because I was a Hollywood Brown owner in 2020. I, I get he's thrown that bad taste out of a lot of people's mouths. He was an extremely frustrating player in fantasy two years ago. But um, I, I, and I'll, I just feel like ahead. so many people underrate him because, like, they get mad at him because he drops the ball a lot and the drops are bad. But, like, historically speaking, drops are not overly predictive, but targets are. Like, the fact that he garners all those targets indicates that he's getting open all the time. All right. 
Barra, you agree? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, him and Kyler reunited. Usually those – I mean, not always, but, you know, a lot of those reuniting, uh, they, they go pretty well, you know, when you're when you're buds, uh, Stafford and Cup. I know they weren't ever teammates before, but, you know, they clearly wanted to be, uh, you know, together, it, it appears, with under Sean McVay. And that's both the way they, they – both white guys, you know, love Cabo. Um, They're gritty. But, yeah, I mean, Hollywood Brown's obviously always been one of the biggest – um, you know, home run threats in the NFL. And I mean, you look at it, a lot of people, even I was hearing today that, you know, some people are, are saying, Hey, trade, trade Hopkins. Cause you can't pay Hollywood Brown who they're clearly going to pay Hollywood Brown. I mean, they just traded the first round pick and his contracts up Hollywood Brown, Kyler, you know, you can't really pay Hopkins too. So, you know, it seems like they're all in on Hollywood Brown. And um, you know, I think, with targets and, and yards and touchdowns should, you know, come with that. So we'll see. I'm excited though for him. The force of your gravity. It my tendency. All right, we're we're back. Al, we're all back. right, all right, we're, all right, we're back. Uh, moving on to how this draft affects the league as a whole. We talked about me with the keepers stuff with Devonte and AJ uh, Barra. Let's move to you, um, Mark Andrews. Two new as Reed puts on the run. Oh wait, Taylor. I think I was gonna say I think you yours. Well, I say yours. I feel like you didn't mention CD Lamb. I, I feel like he's which, a lot. I'd say he might be. I think you might have to consider keeping him over Devonta now. Uh, yeah, no, they're, like, they're. I'm not. I'm not showing my hand on this. I've already t- said enough about my drafting strategy on this podcast, but there are definitely some considerations there. I was keeping my eye on all of it on uh, what the Niners were doing as well. I know they're trying to, uh, you know, trying to to potentially what the what the hell is that dude's name? Kirby, whatever. Fuck. Uh, Kirby, the last. Yeah. Yeah, Purdy. Yeah. Uh, you know, worrying me a little bit going with the quarterback last round, but I think we should be fine getting a little bit of O-line help there as well to help out Trey Lance. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. CD is certainly in consideration for sure. Okay. Uh, as we move forward. Barra, your keeper situation. Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Jameis got himself someone. What are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the, the guy I'm holding on to the hardest is, is Cooper Cup. Um, you know, Michael Pittman got him for two bucks. You know, there's there's value there. Um, I think, you know, I, I think he could take another level now that – I mean, he's got an even better quarterback poten- potentially throwing him the ball with uh, with your boy Matt Ryan. Potentially. So. Potentially? Potentially? Let's, four, out. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, listen. Taller than Bear, I think. Carson, I'm almost as tall as you, Taylor. What are you talking oh, about? How tall is Reed? How tall is Reed? Reed's probably uh, taller than me, I would guess. Six foot two. All right, yeah, because I'm six one. He's six two. Bear is five eight. <laughs> like five eleven almost. All right. So um, you're five eight. <laughs> almost. Bro, we'll link up when Taylor's <laughs> almost five eleven. 
Now nah, Barrett does Ooh. have the thing though, where he, he has, he has, he has grown, like he has grown like a, a weird, like quarter inch every year through his twenties. So he'll He's get like there Giannis. eventually. Yeah, exactly. Barra, Barra, the, the similarities don't stop there between Giannis and Barra. They both struggle with English. <laughs> um, it's good. Hold on. I got to put. Ooh, Barra, do you like to drink Sprite with lemonade together? Uh, I've never done that. That sounds interesting, though. Because Giannis really, uh, he drank that after uh, they won the championship last year at Chick fil A. Really? Um, well, you know, like, to be honest with you, um, it's a good mix. Like I was saying, you know, Carson Wentz was all right. Uh, Matt Ryan had some struggles last year. It'll be interesting to see how much better Matt Ryan is than Carson. Um, but I probably do have to bet on him um, because the Michael Pittman, uh, it, it's just such a good price for a guy who could be, you know, a, a top 10 receiver potentially. I mean, he probably, he might not be, but you know, he's got, he's got, he showed some real flashes last year. But you don't um, want to like it. You don't want to lock in a quarterback because I feel like with Stafford or Probably James, you're going to lock them in at a pretty so- solid value. And we talked about the quarterback yeah. squeeze. But I think there's a lot of quarterbacks to be had still that are, are going to be. Are there? Um, I, there's I also a lot so, of quarterback I mean. positions to fill. A lot of quarterback positions to fill. We get to this point every year where everyone kind of remembers they need a some someone better than just someone to take space at QB2 as well. So. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at it, you know, you don't ever want to end up with uh, Zach Wilson as your, your QB too, um, as his rookie year. But, you know, at the same time, I really do have some, some potential, right. With, uh, with, uh, you know, I, I Jameis could be a good quarterback. I mean, he, he showed flashes, but not going to bet on him. The only guy I would bet on is Stafford and his price wasn't even that cheap. Um, I think, Cooper Cup makes the most sense to keep, obviously, and then you throw in, um, you know, potentially Pittman. And then I think at that point, I think the budget, I, I'd still only have spent about 30 bucks, I think, if, I, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I'd only spend about 30 bucks uh, or less, and that means I still have 270 to fill out the rest of my team with two premier wide receivers. You know, you're not going to get – two premier wide receivers for 15 on average. I mean, obviously Cooper Cup's, you know, probably the best fantasy wide receiver um, he was last year. And so, you know, I mean, I, I just believe I can find a quarterback elsewhere. We all uh, keep Mark Ingram, though. Okay. <laughs> nah, all right, let's, uh, move, we'll let's move to, uh, to Eric. Uh, you've circled Justin Fields, Reed, here as far as the uh, – kind of the lack of additional help for him. Um, what do we think about Eric's keeper situation? I don't have – I'm having trouble uh, logging back into fantasy right now, so I don't have his roster in front of me, but let's do okay. Eric. Let me uh, – I'll send you the link to the midseason keeper situation. That's Actually, I, th- I might have it. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, thanks. Drop it in the chat. Um, I mean, my thing is that, like, Eric is – we know Eric's going to have Justin Fields next year um, regardless because that's his guy. Um, but from my end, I'm just wondering is fields at $33, like all that good of a value. I don't know. Like if, like if Eric just relinquished Justin Fields and then tried to get him in the auction again, 
don't we feel like he could probably get him for the same price or maybe less? Absolutely. Absolutely. He should. I mean, I don't know who in their sick mind would pay more than 33 or even 33 with no receivers and, and kind of some of the things we saw last year. He showed flashes, but not enough flashes to, to, to kind of get that, uh, you know, payday. Like, I, I, I might just be inclined if I'm him, keep Justin Herbert at $45 for two years. I mean that because I still I think that like Herbert would go for sixty five this year if he were available to be drafted. So you're saving twenty dollars right there. Just lock in Herbert for two years. Get Goff at one dollar. Bring him back at that level of price, and then sign Fields for like thirty dollars. And then boom, you got a pretty secure QB room right there that you feel pretty good about. Have you uh, have you talked to the man himself and gotten any insight on the uh, on the situation? Um, I mean, I don't like I said, the only thing I know is that he's going to have Justin Fields next year. So it's it's just a matter of whether he wants to risk doing it this way. So I, I don't think it'll it'll happen, but maybe after this offseason, maybe he feels differently. I don't know. All right, let's move uh, to Nick's squad. Um, you have circled uh, potentially Tyree Kill stealing targets. He's going to do the Jalen Waddle thing. What do we think about Nick's situation? Because one one of them is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Right, yeah. right. So then it becomes a deal where his other options are Mac Jones at three dollars, Derek Carr at two dollars, uh, Mike Williams at one dollar or Hawkinson at $17, like versus Waddle at $1. Like, do you think that Tyreek Hill knocks out Waddle from consideration? Probably. Um, no, I don't, I don't think he does. I think, I think two is going to be a better quarterback this year. They got to run Armstead uh, now on that offensive line. They've also got Austin Jackson, you know, a little USC New Orleans saints combo, you know, I'm in heaven, but you know, with two again better this year, you would expect than last year. I think there's more carries to go around total. Um, well. I mean, I think he's still going to be good, but like, I think that like I would rather have the number two wide receiver for Justin Herbert and Mike Williams than the number two wide receiver for Tua. Right. And then like, you could even make yeah. an argument that like sometimes Mike Williams is the number one. Whereas, cause I mean, I like Keenan Allen, but like, Keenan Allen, like, is not Tyreek Hill, where, like, Tyreek is maybe, you can make a case, is the best wide receiver in football. So, like, Waddle is just not going to be that. I, I agree with that train of thought. Yeah. Um, get kept. What do you get him for, like, 35, 40 bucks, 44? Jonathan Taylor? He got him yeah. for uh, 41. Yeah. I'll just, I'll never forget trying to get Jonathan Taylor still. Uh, that was, that was, that was tough. I, I, he drove a hard bargain, but yeah. So he'll, he'll obviously have to keep them the same way I have to keep Cooper Cup. Um, and yeah, then, I mean, yeah. I mean, Mike Williams for a dollar. I mean, that would that because Mike Williams, if you don't keep him for a dollar, I mean, what's he going for in the open market? 30, 40, maybe, probably not. 40, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, he I had think... a big season. I mean, he because like the thing is with Mike Williams, I the reason I didn't like Mike Williams, actually, even for a dollar is I just, 
he was such a home runner or, or bust guy. You know, when I had him, I think two years, maybe three years ago, I mean, he was, he'd have a big game and then he'd have nothing. I mean, I think there was one game similar to when I had Mike Evans, like a game where Mike Evans or Mike Williams, I'm talking about both these guys, um, you know, literally it's like fourth quarter, the guy's got one reception, seven yards, and all I need is like, you know, three points. Um, you know, so that definitely stuck with me the way, you know, blacking out on fireball at, at you know, a young age does where, you know, sometimes people never drink again, uh, you know, from that fountain. And so yeah. Mike Williams is great. I know a lot of people are high on him. I just have buyer's remorse on him where I don't trust him, but uh, someone else is going to reap the benefits of, of being able to uh, not have those experiences. I, I also feel like he is someone who is – like the kind of guy who will be like, sweet. He had the six catch, 108 yard, two touchdown game. And then like that next Tuesday is like, damn, Mike Williams back flared up in practice. Exactly. Yeah, he's had back issues. I'd honestly prefer 10 receptions for 90 yards than, you know, six for 110. Obviously. I mean, maybe. Well, it depends agree, on but... if, if one's 40 plus yards or whatever. Of course. Um, I just, I like consistency. You know, these home run guys, like, like what Hollywood Brown's been, Mike Williams, uh, even Mike Evans at times with his, his targets. Um, it's like those, those guys are scary. You know, that's why Cooper Cup's such a nice safety blanket because, you know, you're obviously getting, you know, just consistent looks. Uh, Taylor, we're still talking about the, uh, the Mike Williams. I'm talking about having buyer's remorse on Mike Williams, similar to how, you know, you drink fireball at a young age, you puke a bunch, you know, and, and you just never drink from that fountain again. It's similar to what I had with Mike Evans a few years ago. So we're saying, you know, Nick, it's a smart move, a dollar, obviously a high end receiver, but I just, I'm scared of the home run or, or bust potential uh, like with him still. So, you know, Nick will benefit from that. All right, let's talk uh, Daniel, who also goes by Dan, Danny, and many other names. Cats per. Cats per, baby don't hurts me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, is, he, is he circling the, the two quarterbacks? Is that the, the plan here? Um, <laughs> Too expensive. I don't think so. No, I, I doubt it. I, I think that uh, Daniel... He's going to probably go with like T Higgins at $9 for a second keeper next to Jalen hurts. That makes sense. He is going to go Jalen though. Uh, I haven't talked to him, but I mean, you would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, if he, he'd be fucking stupid not to. Yeah. Um, all right. So not, a, not a ton of like draft implications for, I mean, obviously we talked about the Jalen hurts stuff earlier, but it sounds like he's set on that anyway. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's any draft stuff. I mean, we, we touched on the Kyler stuff. Um, and obviously Calvin Ridley will not be playing. So yeah, I, I don't a, think his, he was affected much. All right, let's move yeah, on. I mean, Who are we missing? Go ahead, Barry. You got something? I was just going to say, you know, Calvin Ridley not playing. You can bet on that. Good stuff here on the program today. All right, let's move on to good old Kurt. We love the mystery, the mystery man, Curtis. Uh, obviously, uh, circling Tua 
uh, Jerry Judy as well as I try to pull up his full roster here. Well, also, he also has Russell Wilson. Um, we know that Debo hey. Samuel at $3 is going to be his, his dynasty keeper. That's like just a lock. Um, but, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson with this full complement of weapons, you know, if you're doing it for the one-year keeper, I mean, you're, you're asking the question, like, is Russell Wilson at $40? Uh, are you getting more surplus value out of that? than Jerry Judy at $12 or Tua at $2. Like, what do you think y'all, what do y'all think that Russell Wilson and Tua would go for in the auction if they were just in there what, this year, knowing what they have, the weapons around them? Um, so Russell, I'm just looking at the prices here. I still think Russell I, goes for I double think- what Tua goes for. Well, possibly, but I mean, it's more about what Russell goes compared to the 41. I mean, I, I think Russell probably goes for 50, 45. You don't think that people would pay more because of the, they're excited that he's got all the new weapons. I'm assuming honestly, and I'm, I'm getting a refresher on how much some of these other guys went for. I mean, obviously judge Judy had some crazy boom potential on this roster. Um, I'm assuming a lot of this league is really trying to be, at least early. I mean, this is going to be the fun thing about this draft. Early, I think people are going to be really hesitant to to to, to break the bank, right? After what's happened right. in past years. Therefore, some of the most value might actually come early um, because people are going to get away with it. And, you know, you might have two other bidders that bail out somewhere in the 40s and a guy who would have gone in the 60s in previous, I say previous years, the previous year that we've done this. Um, so yeah, I think he would go more for the 41 Russell, but not significantly more as far as Tua. uh, that's a hard one to read. I mean, that really depends. Like, do you have two bidders in a battle together? That could go a lot higher than I think you realize Barra. Um, but I have no read on that. I think that's a very tough thing to read without kind of, you know, doing some journalism around the league. Right. Yeah, stop I'm just, saying read up. I'll, I'll pay you a dollar. Cause like, why wouldn't they be? Like what? Why should Tua be any worse than like Jimmy G was with you know Mike McDaniel, uh, our you know Pan African King, coming through and bringing the 49ers offense? Like you know why why shouldn't Tua be as good as Jimmy G? Like he has Tyreek Hill, he has Jalen Waddle, he has Cedric Wilson, he has Mike Kosicki. They got an improved offensive line. Like, but like is that is that thirty dollars? You make a good point. Is that thirty dollars, twenty five dollars, twenty? Because we saw what the quarterbacks went for last year. It was like forty. You know, we had like seventy, sixty. Then it was forty five, forty five, forty five, forty five, and then we and got then, then it dropped to like drops. 18, 18, yeah. 16, 12, 12, 10, 5, 2. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, think, I I, uh, I think he could go for go for he could go for thirty. Honestly, I I'd be even potentially willing to uh to get the bidding i mean if he if he lets him walk for two i think i think it's got to be a smarter move to to keep Tua for two than and then you know bid a similar price for for russell maybe you pay 50 maybe you pay 55 who knows people are excited but you're not going to get that two dollar value probably anywhere close Probably not. Devante, Tyreek, Derrick Henry, all those guys you think go for similar prices on the uh, on the market? I think Derrick Henry's price is going down. I mean, he had that injury. P- 
People have been predicting the Derrick Henry injury for so long and it finally happened. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, again, like what I'm saying about a lot of these prices going down, you know, I, I all three of those could go down. I mean, Tyreek, who knows? But obviously Tyreek and Devontae, I think they probably go right around there and Derrick Henry goes down a little bit. That makes sense to me. Um, all right. Is it Melfi time? Are we in the Melfi yeah. corner now? Yeah. All right. So obviously uh, there's the Darnold Tannehill parts of this. Um, the Pats and the Bucks drafted running backs. We're, we're doing all this assuming that Melfi is coming back. And I guess in the post Gibby era, that is a fair assumption. Uh, what do we think about uh, Melfi's keeper situation? If he's even aware how the rules work. Uh, I mean, I think that Melfi is going to have to make, I, I don't know what the parameters are for trading keepers yet. We got to like iron that out. Cause they're like, but like, I think he's going to have to trade for a keeper from someone else. Like I, I just, I fundamentally don't think he can go into the season with the keepers that he has and be good. Ooh, this is rough. Wow. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking it through um, and I don't have a much better situation. I'm aware of that, but no, yours is much better. I mean, it's better. It's better. The you have options. Aspect, at least. Yeah, I have, I have options. Yeah, um, I mean, Matt Ryan at $10 is, is fine. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Even, even like when you come down the list, even guys where you're trying to find value, they're still at like 15, 20, 27. Like, and then obviously Tannehill is just undoable as a keeper. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Who do you think the best trade partner is, Reed? Um... If we're making this a thing that you can do, I guess I, I there's think, no reason why you could. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why we shouldn't be able to. Um, it, it's it's just a matter of like, do you make auction dollars tradable, or is it just fab dollars, or what is it? Um, but you know, I mean, I think I have some guys that are tradable. I think that uh, Jack has some guys that are tradable. Daniel definitely has some guys that are tradable. We were just talking about like, I mean, all I mean, basically just take any of these people that we are talking about who have difficult decisions about their keepers, if they have more than two that are good, they're a viable trade partner with Melfi, right? It just comes down to like the best deal he can make at that point. Oh, I love the possibility of a Melfi blockbuster trade. Someone going to be able to just absolutely fleece him. Nothing better. Yeah. And that, uh, I mean, that is kind of connected to like our final topic. Which is drum roll, Barrett? Give us a drum roll. Nice, Reed. What is our final topic? Yeah, we. It's the. Do we like the idea of a rookie draft? My uh, first instinct is yes. So you okay? Off instinct, you like it, Barrett? Because what does that mean? Um. So basically, it would just be like we would have. It could be one round, two rounds, three rounds. Uh, I mean, three round. I mean, three rounds even maybe is a little much. So you would, you definitely want to go more than that. But like, it'd just be like, it, you know, and before the auction, we would all we would just have a draft for all the every year for the rookies coming in, and everyone would just get get their pick of their rookie. And then like you you attach some level of deal where it makes it them affordable like make them a value in future years so like a, a, an extra keeper or whatever but it's like your rookie or whatever that you get to have yeah you're gonna you're gonna have to send me you're gonna have to send me some literature on on that 
and how that's going to work. You need a pamphlet? You, okay, it'd be like, do you know how a draft yeah, I'm gonna works? Need a pamphlet. You know what a draft uh, is, yeah. right? Yeah, so everyone from, from point everyone gets one pick, and then everyone just picks a rookie. And you would do that for, like Reed says, three up to three rounds. Maybe, maybe one round, maybe two, maybe three. We'll we'll just see how it works out. But like, so in this scenario, uh, I said it, it. This is in the outline, but the um, what the what my projection would be for how we'd set up the what do you call it? The order would be, it'd be like how we do the snake draft where like the consolation bracket winner gets the first pick. So they get a reward for that. And I think that, I mean, if you combine that with winning like actual money for that, like suddenly the consolation bracket becomes like massive. Like, I don't think as much in this year, but like last year, if you could have gotten Najee Harris for winning consolation bracket, like you're changing your franchise or whatever. Um, yeah. Yep. So it would be, so this year it would be, and then Barry, you would actually, you'd have the second to last pick because you had the best record of anyone who didn't win the championship, sadly for you. Um, yeah. So like it'd be. Yeah, I'm, ag- no- I'm against the rookie draft. Yep. The rookie draft. Oh, because it does benefit you this year? Don't believe in it. Ne- never have, never will. Um, so like, you know, your internet connection is unstable story of my life. Continue. Reed. <laughs> um, so like, I, I don't know quite where I stand on it because like, you know, not everyone cares about rookies, you know, that is just not part of their strategy. You know, everyone's got their different approaches or whatever. Um, and selfishly part of me is like, I would like the ability. I want all the rookies. So I like, uh, I just like, like it because like... I was already I was already planning on making this a, a kind of rookie oriented youth oriented you know keeper perspective draft for myself. So I'm fine. Let's just why not just go all in balls to the wall do a rookie thing. I don't. I I also say this imagining that it will not be popular consensus. Just judging off of Bear's reaction also, but we'll see. And the other thing, the probably the thing I like about it most is that like it was introduced to me in another league I did last year. And that one is like more full dynasty level, which is like a little intense. He's Um, cheating on us folks. Yeah. But it helped facilitate trades. Like it is a massive trade chip to be trading like your, like your first round pick. And then like that opens the Avenue for like more ways to like build your team or whatever. I think it's interesting. I think Barra's hesitation is, you know, it takes him a year or two to learn the ways of the road, if you will. Um, He's still trying to figure out how an auction draft works. I think he feels like he wouldn't be able to really uh, excel at this until maybe year two or three of the rookie draft. Is that right, Barra? You need, you need more time to, uh, to kind of grow. I mean, listen, I'm not that worried considering you and Melfi have a full rebuild in front of you. Um, you know, I've got some building blocks. It's just, I, I don't see the issue. I, I understand what Reed's talking about, but like, let's say we did have a, a normal auction and it was just like, you know, Drake London's up there and we just have a normal bid, you know, the thing that we're all, you know, well and used to. But, you know, listen, I'm obviously uh, a progressive when it comes to fantasy football. And uh, maybe, maybe I am. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I'm always, always like to keep my ears open to everything. Yeah, I mean, I know that shit that T sucks. 
Oh, come through. I'll send the so, address. Like I said, I'm not even sure quite how I feel about it, but like I just was thinking about it because we were having the draft or whatever. So like I would ask you, Taylor, who would you take number one overall in the rookie? Yeah. Insert insert Drake Jeff here, baby. Drake Drake London. Okay. <laughs> to, to clarify, <laughs> um, I I think there's. There's part of me that thinks the Jamison thing is going to be very real. And like I say, I'm, I'm starting to t- think through fantasy in a much broader way. So I would consider Jamison as well. Um, even to sit him, I think he's going to be fantastic. You know, if we're, if we are, you know, all going to be friends in two or three years and this thing keeps going and we're trying to hold on to someone, I think that's a consideration. Um, week one, week two, week three, week four. I don't see anyone. I really don't. The Jets thing there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. He's going to be getting so many targets, Drake London, that I don't care who wins the quarterback job. Um, I would probably do that. Uh, you know, I don't, again, I'm, I'm hoping you guys give answers as well so that I'm not putting myself out here as a, you know, revealing all of my strategy, but. Where you have someone you pick. He would, you're going to go, uh, what's his. Uh, it would either be Drake London or Olave. I'm sure. Um, I mean, you know, if I had the ninth pick, though, you know, that that's a that's a sweet spot where someone could fall. You know, a guy like Jameson Williams could fall. He probably wouldn't fall that far. Um, but let's do it. Let's uh, do a pick. Let's do a, book, a draft right now. We'll do. Uh, let's do. Does everyone. Yeah. To 10. One, two, three. OK. All right. So I went London one. Read your two. OK. Uh, I'm going to take Brees Hall. There are three. Chris Olave. All right, Jameson's still there. I'm taking him four. Uh, Sky Moore. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, Traylon Burks. Ooh, I need a little bit of positional diversity here. Or do I? Top ten? Uh, uh, Christian Watson's still on the board. Christian Watson. All right, that's ten picks. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. That would be nine. That would be nine. No, because you were first. Oh, you're right. Wow, we're good at math. I don't, but I, but I only made two picks. No, you didn't. You made three. This is great podcasting. This is good stuff. All right, um, those would be the ten. Uh, Obviously, that was rapid fire. I mean, did did we just miss someone obvious? That was very rapid fire. I don't know. Oh, I jumped Barra. That's what happened. Damn, yo, you don't. You better watch your mouth. No, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I got the order mixed up. That's what happened. Okay. This is Brooklyn on Brooklyn crime right here. Um, I don't, the, last pick, the last pick in the draft, I'm going Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I was I was thinking about uh, doing a QB there. Um, realistically, like if this was a real draft, I would have diversified the positions a little more. This is more like power rankings. But um, right. I think that's pretty much the guys that would go though. Right. Like I think a, a couple QBs would, um, wouldn't so someone was, have to take Malik Willis? Like if I think that's the difference, if we had one round versus like three rounds, like I think if we had one round Malik would definitely go that round because like his upside you'd want to secure. Yeah. I think that's, that's possibly fair. Um, on some Trey Lance shit. Yeah. You know, this, 
I, my guess would be Brees would be the only running back. It would be mostly receivers. Every, everyone we just mentioned. And then you'd throw in Malik and maybe you'd throw in Kenny Pickett. That's what the 10 would look like. Um, but you're right. Like it changes dramatically based on if this is one round or three. Because if it's three, people are waiting on the QB, as I would imagine. Yeah. my I think that like one probably makes more sense over the long term. Because like if you did three, then you're talking about like if you're keeping them for like three years or something, then like after three years, if you have your two keepers and all your rookies, that's like your whole team. It's keeping too much, right? Yeah. Yeah. At that point, at that point, like you're not even drafting, which is like a lot of the fun of doing it in the first place is drafting. Also, there is, I think it actually is more fun to cut down the rookie list where, you know, we just saw what happens. Like you, you have to start considering the positional stuff and you end up, I don't know. There end up being good players that don't make it in those first 10. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this might be the decision that we do one. Um, if we do one at all, I, I mean, you know, Can I don't we, know what the rest uh, of the league thinks. We are back. We're going to wrap up here folks, with our uh, ongoing Eh, not debate, but uh, oh, no, no, you know. I'm thinking. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Bear, I'll kill you. I'm thinking. I'll kill Sean, you. Shantarel. Shant- 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 We're recording. Shant- okay, that's awesome. I'm really happy. Why? I'm really happy you, you told us that. Thank you. How do you think that the How do you think the mushrooms would be valued differently if they were being taken in a rookie draft versus an auction? Do you think the positional value would maybe push them up draft boards in a way where maybe they get a little lost? In the, th- in the sea of things in the auction. Well, you know, we've, seen, we've seen Cremini go for high prices in past years, and I think people are kind of rethinking their fungi this time around. So maybe an oyster, maybe a, sh- a shiitake. We'll see. Yeah, I just think that, like, it, this is one, it's one of those things where, like, midway through every year, you're like, damn, I wish I had Portobello on my team. It really does solidify things. Yeah, I mean, if you can get just the the raw talent of an oyster early, though, sometimes you just think that ceiling will come through. So a lot, of, lot to consider. Yeah, and, you know, I think that lately, like, loaded potato skins have really gone Ooh. under the radar of late. Because you can stack a lot of, little, lot of flavor in there. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a, um, a great wingspan. I would say. And, um, and also the intangibles are, are also there when you're talking about a loaded potato, potato skin. So I mean, we don't have to worry growth. about the off the field issues as much. I can understand that. It's very humble, but can also carry the load if necessary. If you just need to be a potato flavor, that's fine. But you know, sometimes you say we need you to add some sour cream. We need you to add some cheese and some bacon and some chives. And baked potatoes doesn't say, oh, I don't, you don't think I'm good enough on my own. And he says, you know what? Fine. We'll add these things. If that's what this team needs to succeed, we'll add the chives. Yeah. I mean, you know, Desmond Ritter basically said, look, if I'm starter day one, it's great. If I'm behind Mariota, it's great. True baked potato of the league, I would say. I'd say so. All right, so this rookie draft, um, we've we've gotten some negativity from Barra. We've gotten some positivity from me, and Reed is kind of the uh, the diplomatic, uh, 
you know, engine here trying to figure out if it makes sense or not. I, I would say my ultimate kind of bow on all of this after doing our live, you know, on Zoom, who were the first 10 we'd take is let's do it. Let's only do one round. Um, I can live without it as well. I'm not like jumping up and down saying we need this, but I do think it's fun. I think it's intriguing. And honestly, other changes to the league have mostly been positive. Um, you know, leave Gibby's opinion out of it. I tend to think uh, evolution, adapting, changing with the, the times is the way this league should go. Uh, you know, there was opposition, some mixed opinions on the switch to an auction draft. And I think that was a fantastic thing for the league. So continuing to think of ways to improve is absolutely what we should be doing. And I'm pro, I'm pro. I don't know. I think I'm, again, moving away from maybe a three or four round kind of thing. But if we do one, 10 picks in and out, I think you still have a lot of that intrigue in the auction itself. You move some of the rookies who don't make those top 10 into the auction itself. And you get the best of both worlds. I don't, Barrow, what, what's your main opposition right now? I mean, my thing is, I, I think, you know, since you're talking about being progressive in modern day issues, I, I think you're on welfare and you're just looking for some cheap options. The Bernie broification of, uh, of the league. Okay. I, uh, like, I, I think you see a bunch of rookies that, you know, you can have based on how poorly you finished last season and how bleak your outlook looks, um, you know, with your keepers and you're just like, wow, like I can get some great value for free if I just sell Reed and Barra and a couple others. So I'm sure that that's what you'll be thinking about the next couple of months is how to sell people on, uh, on your welfare program, your stimulus package. Let me ask you this, Barra, what would you next, let's say next season, uh, we're approaching the trade deadline. We got maybe a couple weeks beforehand before that, you're second place in the division, but you're game out and you actually, you beat the opponent, the person who's in first place before then, and you, you lead the league in points scored. So you're feeling pretty good about your team, but you got a pretty notable hole. Um, regardless of hole, would you be willing to trade in, in, a, in a theoretical world where we had a rookie draft? Would you be willing to trade your next year's first round pick? to plug that hole and seal the deal to be a championship contender. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, you make it sound sexy and that's your job as, as you know, NFL um, commissioner, obviously we're part of the PA. Um, I mean, you are too, but I'm simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great point you bring up. So what you're saying, I trade my next year's first round pick, um, you know, yeah, probably I, a late, it's a late pick. I mean, it's probably like, let's say eight to 10 based on, you know, se- seven to 10 based on where things will probably go. I mean, obviously, really, you know, I can, can I mean, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm saying like, if I'm in second place in my division, right before, like uh, based on this hypothetical, deadline, got it, got it, got it. Then yeah, it's probably, it's likely to be a later first round pick, but you know, not guaranteed where I can implode and, and somehow this guy gets lucky uh, or woman, you know, if we allow that next year or the year after. Um, Trailblazers. Then, you know, <laughs> sure. Like, but you're getting a late first and then what? Like I'm saying, all right, give me Devonte Adams. I'll give you, uh, 
I'll give you, I don't know, Kenny. I'll give you, I'll give you one guy who's decent, and then you take my first rounder next year because you're in last place, zero and five, and the least points forward. Yeah, but like, yeah, I mean, it's something like that. But like, but like, you know, I'm I'm wondering like, what would would you even need to include something else? Like would someone want to, if, if someone was in last place and let's say they got Devonte for a pretty expensive price, so they're not going to be keeping him. Um, would, wouldn't they be inclined to like, maybe just give you Devonte for just, just for the pick by itself without a player. Yeah. I mean, listen, Reed, you are a, a straight scientist. I'll be honest. Like I, this is all these new things that you implement in fantasy. It really is innovation. And uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, I I think it's interesting. Uh, I definitely think it's a good point. Circumstances obviously matter in this given circumstance. I know we want to obviously hand out, you know, food stamps and all these welfare checks um, like we're in Gibby's state of Minnesota. But in terms of this year's draft, I don't feel like based on because people didn't know this last year, I feel like the draft's got to be like picking names out of a hat to get Porter or, or something that's not just based on how bad Carter Melfi and Tyler Wilson were last year. Or more Tyler Wilson, sorry. Yeah, you Could said not Tyler disagree Wilson. more. The Tyler Wilson, Arkansas, great. Yeah, great Arkansas quarterback. quarterback. Yep. yep, yep. What about um, Ricky Town? Um, what do you call it? So, like, that would be the main appeal to me, but then, like, because I mean, like, I, I'm still on the fence. Because again, I want like my ideal team usually has like four or five rookies, and this would limit my ability to get my rookies. My whole thing is like, mm-hmm. you don't, you definitely don't do this if it makes the auction draft like the the proper auction draft um, tangibly worse, and I don't think it does especially if you're only doing 10 picks, you're still putting rookies into that pool. There's still so many other factors. You're already, we've already decided we're taking some players out of the market because of the keeper rules. So I, I just, I think this is a logical step in the same direction as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think you don't do it if we look at it and say, all right, well, the positives that we take from this actually deliver too many negatives for the proper draft itself. But I don't think that's the case. I think that would be the case in a longer, deeper rookie draft where all the rookies that you would want are off the board. Um, I think that's the case. And especially with keeper rules at that point, the player pool is so reduced where the auction draft is actually less fun. And I don't don't think that should be the goal. Um, But I don't think that's the case when you're just taking the top 10 rookies like that. And especially this year, like with the quarterback situation, we just did the live mock, you know, some of those QBs are going to be available with very interesting decisions to make during the auction i keep talking myself the the qb thing is what's is something that's interesting to me about it like the long-term implications because like i'm thinking about it let's say we've had let's say we had the rookie draft from the beginning of of the league right um or maybe even we'll just say from two years ago or something right so that would mean i think you'd feel pretty confident that you'd have burrow Tua and Herbert drafted that year, right? And then 
last year you'd feel you'd feel really confident that Trevor, Zach Wilson, Fields, and Trey Lance are getting drafted, and maybe Mac Jones does. So we'll say Mac Jones does because he's top fifteen pick. So that's that's a full quarter of the league. The quarterbacks that would be accounted for, and that's not even including if people have keepers. So then we're entering the auction where there's like no quarterbacks left. And maybe that's fine mm-hmm. because I think like there's still the other stuff going on or whatever. And like, um, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not saying that means we shouldn't do it, but like that is something to consider. Well, maybe it makes more sense to try it this year though, as the year that we're trying it, um, you know, where, where we know that's not going to happen this year. Right. Um, Cause it, it would make me wonder if like, you'd want to think about that for strategy because like, if, if we know that's the case, I feel like someone is going to take Malik for that reason, because like with his rushing ability, like he has potential to be like a number one fantasy quarterback. And like, that's more valuable than anything. Like, like if Barra, like if he was available at Barra's spot, like who is more valuable to him? Like Christian Watson or Malik Willis, Malik Willis. I mean, yeah, you could argue. And this would be um, reverse draft order, like what you had mapped out. So, for example, this year, Melfi would be first in the rookie draft. Yeah, because he had the consolation. He won the consolation bracket, and then Jack would be 10th because he won the league, and then everything else is just based on everything else reverse is reverse, order. Yeah. Reverse dating. So it'd be him, See, like Melfi, winning the consolation. Sorry, it sounds like that's the part that Barra like. is most pissed about. Um, no, I no, could, I mean, I feel like I the team who was the worst would get the first pick. Not like because right, that's what win the consolation. I'm means, actually like, no, I'm okay. I I actually like I like the consolation meaning things like this. Uh, I'm well, okay we, with that. Well, I don't want to like reward tanking. No, but I agree. I fully agree. You want to like because then you're like you're keeping people involved. Like Taylor, lat like you know, Taylor last year, like was still engaged. Cause I mean the consolation, like I think last year, the addition to make it where like you actually won money from that, like made that way more engaging for people. But if you made it where like you're winning money and you win the number one overall pick in a year where there's like a top quarterback or a top running back, like Bijan Robinson next year, the running back out of Texas, like I want him so bad, you know, like I'm not that I'd be in the yeah, I mean, that's, bracket, that's a but. good point. But imagine it was funny. Oh, 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 oh. Imagine how funny. No, I think it would that's be. great. I love I love consolation bracket stakes as a consolation man myself. <laughs> so I uh I look everything you're saying, Reed, you keep talking me more and more into it. Yeah, I mean the yeah. I, mean, I think the, it's a good point though. Like there will be quarterback drafts where you know it's not this year, right? Like the, the draft that you outlined where maybe four or five guys are off the board in those first 10. You know, that is something to consider, but I don't know. Draft well in the rookie draft. Like, let's get it. No, it's good. It'd be nice if someone was like, hey, you know, listen, so we're actually going to, we're not going to give you that 50 bucks, but you are going to get the first pick in the uh, rookie draft. Well, you say both. No, you're going to get both. I know, I know, I know. I was just saying it would be funny if it was, if it was not both. Um, because I mean, listen, there was there was times last year where you're like, Carter, are you about to quit this league, my boy? Like, you're gonna get the first pick, and it's funny because 
just based on my first year in this league where I was, I was a decent team. You know, I struggled at first. I got off lucky. Uh, Gibby tried to make that big trade with me or like he was trying to get players. I didn't do it. You know, wrote an article about how I was, you know, tanking for Tua and how that wasn't a thing. And now it might be a thing, you know, and I might have to take a shit on his doorstep. Might have to might just prove a point. <laughs> That's hot. Well, also, we don't know. I mean, there's That's a, there's a, an X factor going into this season, which is, we don't know who the new person is. Uh, as we say, no gender applied, as Barrett said. We don't know who this person could be. Um, said person. Now I feel could- like we have. I feel like we have to get a woman now. Yeah. I mean, the yeah way now we should, now we're an asshole. Yeah. We're fucking huge sexists if we don't. I mean, they just <laughs> they just overturned Roe v. Wade, and we're not going to admit a woman to the fantasy league. I mean, come on now. Yeah, this is. I'm not going to lie. It'd be the, kind of funny. Read like, the room. Am I right? It, it would be funny to like talk shit to like a new. Um, you know, girl in this chat and just like absolutely roast her. Like if she was like Gibby, but like a female, just like <laughs> look looking like uh, what was the guy I said that Gibby looked like the cartoon from Joan, like from uh, Jamestown. The what? guy in the purple, the guy in the purple, in the cartoon Grimace? in the no in the cartoon. Uh, what's that cartoon? John Smith. Where they're in Jamestown. It's like Pocahontas. Oh, Pocahontas. Yeah. Like, Pocah- who's the guy okay. in the purple? Who's the guy in the purple? Is he on the natives, the indigenous side, or the uh, the no, colonizers? He's the white. He's the white white peach white piece of shit. Google white piece of shit Pocahontas. I have to pull up the, the cast. No, I looked him up. I, I I sent it to Gibby last year in the chat. I told him. Oh, oh, the the uh, the dude with the mustache. Oh yeah. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, I can <laughs> that see just it. Like, I could absolutely yeah, see that. But I'm saying, imagine getting a female that was like that. You know, just like, oof, what if we got a female that looks like Pocahontas? Whoa. Well, then I think we definitely be, I think people would definitely be pushing extremely hard for the draft in person. <laughs> it's the governor, right? Governor, governor, uh, yeah, shithead? governor. Yeah, governor, governor, shithead. Thank you.